If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, would you turn with me to John chapter 10? Some of you may be thinking, what is Brandon doing up there already? We're just mixing it up a little bit today. Um, there is a football game today, you may know, and this is a exciting time of the year in our country as everybody at least vaguely turns their attention to a football game. I was really hoping the Titans would be in it this year, but uh, that didn't happen. Now, one thing that is important in our house is that we get to enjoy Leslie Ann's Rice Krispie Treats at halftime or even before then of the Super Bowl every year. It's just tradition. It's the way things are. But for some reason, all of y'all bought all the Rice Krispies this week. <laughs> they were nowhere until they were at the Osborne's by right over by Belmont. <laughs> Leslie Ann found some at about 6 p.m. last night. So disaster averted, Rice Krispie treats will be had. They're not Rice Krispies, though. They're crispy rice. So we'll see if they taste, uh, if they taste the, uh, the same. If you are rooting for somebody specific today, good luck. Uh, our oldest son has informed us that we're not rooting for the Bengals because we, I married into an Alabama family and Joe Burrow beat the Crimson Tide a few years ago and then beat the Titans this year, so we're not allowed to root for them. So go Rams. <laughs> Here we go. John 10. Let's look at this together. This is, uh, it's fun to go through the Gospel of John and to see what Jesus is up to. Our tagline for these first few weeks in the gospel has been, who is Jesus? Because a significant part of this early, uh, well, we're in the middle of the book now about John 10, but when what Jesus has been saying and doing with his disciples and with the religious leaders and with anybody they come across really is Jesus has been identifying himself as God's son. As the one that has come, the anointed one, the Messiah, to, yes, make all things new, to make all things right, ultimately. And that is the story that is unfolding here in what he has been doing as we've looked at some of those stories today, specifically in what Jesus is saying as we look into chapter 10. Let's look at God's word together, beginning in verse 1. Truly, I tell you. Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they, they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Now, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The, 
The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. And the wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for my sheep. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. So church, let's, let's talk about sheep for a moment. I happen to have one here with me. This is my daughter, Hattie's sheep. She is five years old and this is Lammy. Lammy so when our kids turned one, Leslie Ann's dad gave them all a, an animal, like a big animal. Uh, Howell got a zebra. Elliot got a giraffe, big giraffe. Lewis got a tiger. And Hattie got a lamb. And Hattie loves this lamb. She does. She loves all of her stuffed animals. However, if you look closely at Lammy, you will see that Lammy has a lot of green and black ink all over her face, like all over her face. And what happened there was Hattie's getting older and Hattie has a bit of a will. And at times we as parents, we need to put our foot down and, and, you know, tell them that the most important thing that's happening at this moment is what we're doing and not what they want to do. Well, Hattie's not on that, on board with that yet. And she uh, told Leslie Ann when Leslie Ann did that the other day that, no, in fact, you need to do what I'm asking you to do. And Leslie Ann dug her heels in and said, no, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And then Hattie screamed at Leslie Ann as loud as she could. And it wasn't any words or anything. It was just a yelp right in her face. And I saw Hattie's teenage years flash before my eyes as this was... <laughs> happening and she did the teenage thing that I understand teenage girls do. I didn't have any sisters growing up, but she ran to her room and she slammed the door, not once, not twice, but three times, very hard. And then she was conspicuously gone for a while. And while she was gone, she painted the beloved face of her lamb with her markers just to get back at her mother. Is that what we have to look forward to? kind of scares me. But I assure you, she loves her lamb and all of her stuffed animals. And we will, uh, we'll get back to that in a moment. But sheep, let's talk about sheep. Over 500 times in the Bible, sheep are mentioned. Now in the Old Testament, sheep are mentioned and it is almost exclusively uh, a reference that is literal, that is talking about the animal itself. In the New Testament, rather, when sheep are mentioned, they are almost exclusively mentioned in a metaphorical sense, comparing the relationship of Jesus and those of us who are following and being formed by Jesus to a shepherd and the shepherd's flock. Now, originally sheep were in the wild years and years and years ago, but over time they became domesticated, mostly to keep a steady supply of meat going Maybe you've had mint jelly with uh, lamb before. I have. It's pretty delicious. Can be. 
but hurting them over time, uh, herdsmen, shepherds, farmers, they became aware of how valuable the coats of the sheep could be. And ultimately, sheep became the most important domestic animal in and around the time that Jesus lived and worked and ministered. So this is the metaphor that Jesus uses in John 10. He is connecting with those who are hearing him, right? Not only were sheep the chief sacrificial animal, they also provided meat, milk, fat, wool, hides, skins, horns. They were truly useful. And the importance of sheep economically is in direct direct proportion to how much supervision they would need along the way. They, they, become, well, they became and become lost easily. You'll remember Jesus' story about the 100 sheep where one gets loose and gets lost and the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Once the sheep are on their own, they're defenseless. Their protection is in the pack in the flock. So the shepherd's job is to spend time with them, to care for them closely, to keep them safe and together. So the byproduct of this relationship, this arrangement, success for a shepherd, what that brings about is that the shepherd comes to know the sheep. You with me? The shepherd comes to know the sheep. Now, it's true that many days for the shepherd, they're probably boring. But this work calls for great diligence. It calls for great endurance. And again, the byproduct of this arrangement is that the shepherd comes to know the sheep. The search for green pastures, the search for water to drink, it it often would cause the herd to have been taken far distances. The wilderness area around the, the area in the, in the Near East where Jesus worked and ministered and lived, the Bedouin countries, they're not lush. Now, sheep did not require lush green pastures necessarily. Sustenance was out there. You just had to go get it. And those searches were often dangerous. Some fascinating things about this. Uh, there are, I have not been over there. Uh, I would love to go sometime. My, my, uh, my dad has and my brother got to go together. I would love to go with you sometime. I'd like to see some of this landscape and how this works because all of this that Jesus is alluding to with this analogy, it's still true today. They still have the agrarian society there where shepherds do take care of their flock and that's an important part of society. And some of the dangers that existed around the time that Jesus is using this analogy are still present today. It doesn't rain less in those desert areas necessarily. The rain is just concentrated differently up in the mountains. And when the rain comes in the rainy season, the mountains, the water rushes down off the mountains and it creates what you may have heard of called wadis. And these wadis can flow. So one of the primary ways that people, that sheep actually die in the desert, strangely enough, is by drowning. Because the water comes through these wadis and it can be quite dangerous. And then in the non-rainy seasons, those areas where the wadis are, they can still be sticky. And they can still grab the legs of the sheep and keep them in those muddy areas and make them prey to the dangerous animals that might be around. So when you hear King David in the Psalms say, I feel like my feet are stuck in the mud, he's using this imagery that people would latch on to. That would be characteristic of what might happen in the dangerous wilderness. 
So the shepherd has to be aware of that, where the sheep are going to find what they can eat, because naturally that would be near where water would be, right, where things could grow. And the shepherd also has to be aware of the dangers in the wolves that might be out uh, or even thieves that could come and try to, uh, to steal the sheep. This was what Jesus is doing in verses 7 through 10 when he uses the analogy of he's the gate for the sheep. The shepherd lying down in the opening where the sheep would enter into the gate where they would sleep at night and then come out to keep the thieves and the wolves, the wild animals from coming in, but also to keep the sheep from wandering out to where those dangers were. The shepherd spends time with the sheep The shepherd comes to know the sheep. Later on in the gospel, in chapter 15, Jesus makes this declaration. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Well, that imagery of the shepherd laying down their life at the gate would come to mind there when hearing Jesus say this. Now, the parable in the first five verses, the figure of speech, that Jesus uses describes this relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. So back to Hattie. Hattie, we have a picture of Hattie with Lammy and the rest of her stuffed animals on her bed. And I was informed by her last night that those, and we took this picture this week, but those are not all of her stuffed animals. Some are at her grandparents' house and didn't make it home, but she did get all of them that were in a room on her bed She arranged the boys on the right and the girls on the left. And Hattie has named and knows the name of every one of those stuffed animals. For sure. And she plays with them and she loves her stuffed animals so much. She loves her real dog, Annie, so much as well. She will probably be a vet someday. You can take that down, Jay. And we will be so proud when she is. Now, to this day in Bedouin countries, a shepherd will go into that crowded sheepfold at night where the sheep sleep. It's very common for several flocks to sleep together at night, provides warmth, it provides some extra safety. And then in the morning, to this day, the shepherd will walk into the sheepfold and call out to each of the shepherd's sheep. And the shepherd the sheep will recognize the shepherd's voice and follow. Some shepherds will even have named the sheep as Hattie has named her stuffed animals and will know them all by name. Again, the shepherd spends time with the sheep and knows the sheep. The byproduct of this arrangement is that the shepherd comes to know the sheep. Some of you will remember the story in 2 Samuel chapter 12 where King David is told this story, this parable, actually, by his friend Nathan that helps David see his own insidious iniquity. The parable goes, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very large flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised her and she grew up with him and with his children and from his meager food she would eat. From his cup, she would drink, and in his arms, she would sleep. She was like a daughter to him. The shepherd loved, the the poor man loved that sheep so, so much. 
Now listen, y'all. This relationship between the shepherd and the sheep, it's not just transactional. It's not just to keep the sheep alive so that they can be useful. In its best sense, the shepherd cares for the sheep. Keeping the sheep alive and well comes out of this great love that the shepherd has for the sheep, much like the poor man had for his ewe lamb, much like, yes, my daughter has for Lammy when she's not mad at me and Leslie Ann. The great love the shepherd has for the sheep. So if the byproduct of this arrangement is that the shepherd comes to know the sheep, it stands to reason that the reciprocal would be true as well. The sheep also come to know the shepherd. This is a relationship. Verse 14 in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Not just the shepherd, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus tells us the sheep know him. The sheep know the shepherd. So church, as God's sheep, if we're tracking with the analogy here, do we know God's voice? Are we able to recognize God's voice? I think this is a wonderful, apt analogy for us to consider today. There... (laughs) There is not any time that we are not with our shepherd, right? The same goes. There's not any time we are not with our shepherd. Y'all, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. Everything is in the care of the shepherd. We, we don't set aside time to be with the father. I hope we do. And, I, and I'm not challenging that, that mindset or, or the, the fact that you have a quiet time. I, I hope that you do. But we don't set aside time to be with the Father as much as we are always with the Father. For 10 chapters, the disciples have been following Jesus and what he is doing. And, and, and think about what we have seen them doing together thus far. They were at a wedding together. They were traveling from this place to that place, spending so much time together traveling. I I resonate with that now. I had no idea that my primary mode of discipleship for my children over the next however many years is going to be in the car. Nobody told me that. Life is so much about just going from point A to point B. But time doesn't stop when we do. These moments matter. They've been traveling with Jesus everywhere, sharing meals together. They're doing life together, normal activities as Jesus goes about his life and ministry. So think about that. Talking about doing life together. Does that connect with you? When you imagine everything belonging to God, do you imagine how that includes your time as well and and, and what you choose to do with your time, who you choose to spend it with. I have met with the same group of guys I've told you before, four of us, for nearly 10 years now. We know each other. 
And about five years ago, one of us uh, moved away. We did not stop meeting. We, we, we used FaceTime and Zoom before it was cool. And we continued to meet. But the interesting part of that uh, was the time leading up to him deciding to move his family across the country for a different job. It was a huge decision. And we, we were able to help him process it. We were, we were able to help listen and, and weigh in when appropriate. But ultimately, it came down to what he described, and I believe so beautifully, as simply listening for the voice of his father. And he would say that over and over again. I'm listening for the voice of my father. I'm listening for the voice of my father. Hey, We need each other. It requires patience, requires endurance to listen for the voice of our father, our shepherd. What about all that time that God may not be speaking? That time that requires patience. Think about it. Think about the story Jesus told in each of the synoptic gospels, when the shepherd leaves the 99 to go get the one. Those 99 were safe because they stuck together until the shepherd returns. We must have a strong flock to remain together, Kenneth Bailey says, when the shepherd goes off to get the one that is lost or when the shepherd is not taking their shift at night to lay down in front of the gate. We must be strong together. Something really cool about shepherds in Israel is they oftentimes can be quite young. They can be boys and girls as young as 12 years old. I have a 13-year-old. I'm trying to imagine this. But those 12-year-olds can be in charge of the entire flock as they go out. The the grown men, the fathers, the grandfathers, they rarely travel with the flocks in some of these particular herds. And instead, they allow the under-shepherds, the children, to do it as they watch from a distance and tend to matters in the camp. So when I think about Psalm 23 that we read together earlier, that we're actually going to sing together or hear sung in a moment, I I see this picture unfolding with this in mind. Think about all of the flocks that we, as God's sheep, shepherds, under-shepherd. The flocks that God has put in our care, whether they be friends, children, students, co-workers, while we are strong together, doing life together, God is watching over us. This is the picture in Psalm 23. This is also the picture in John 10. But this comparison brings a challenge. If we are truly his sheep, then we'll follow him alone. And we will help each other ignore the other voices that may tempt us. So why is this important? Why is understanding our need for one another, that we need each other, why is that important? Well, because we're sheep with a purpose. Many people will tell you sheep are stupid. (laughs) 
And that's not wrong in a sense. Sheep do need the flock. Sheep do need their shepherd. There is a story that I read not too long ago, perhaps you saw it too, where the shepherd went one way and the sheep got confused and somewhere in the middle of the pack as they were walking from one place to another, they got off track. And when one gets off track, the rest of the sheep follow that one and that one fell right off a cliff. And you know what happened? Every sheep behind that one fell off the cliff as well. And you know what the good news was is that after several of them fell and were there, the wool actually protected a lot of the other ones. But those first few that fell, they were not so lucky. So yes, sheep can be quite dumb. The sheep are important. When one gets lost, the shepherd shows us their importance by going off and and getting them. When one gets sick, the shepherd reveals their importance by caring deeply and, and, and nursing the sick sheep back to health. When one is newly born, they are given such special attention that their importance is obvious. And when sheep are all together, they are powerful. As we said earlier, they, were the, they are the chief economic resource of that era. The most important crop, so to speak, with their usefulness in, in feeding and clothing and protecting. Now think about that, church. Think about Jesus saying the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But the good shepherd has come so that we can have life. And not just life in a transactional sense where we're biding our time until it's over. No. No. Life that matters. Abundant life. Life with a purpose. Life to provide care for any and everyone that we come across. Yes, in our groups, but those are the places we are most like-minded, even more important in our neighborhoods, on our streets, with those that God brings us into contact with. This is what abundant life looks like. It's more sheep coming to know the shepherd they didn't even know was theirs. Church, we are moving forward. It is an exciting time. I am so grateful for what God did three years ago to help bring the church at Harpeth Heights to to be, to, to establish this relationship with Brentwood Baptist Church, to be on this team. A lot has happened since then. We have endured and are enduring a pandemic that none of us have ever imagined or known. Turnover in our communities, people moving away, sadly, for different reasons, so many different reasons. But as Jay and Wade described in our video, people moving here like crazy. 200,000 people over the next five years will enter the Nashville area. And each and every one of them is a sheep with a shepherd. And yeah, we have been called out with this purpose to let them know that.
and along the way, reminding each other the same. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. We're going to enter into a time of prayer together. And we'll, we will hear singing. You are welcome to sing along. And then we will sing some more together. But our first response as the sheep of this pasture, where the Lord is our shepherd, is to give praise. So we're going to do that together today. So would you bow with me?